Welcome to Word of Life Family Church, where we strive to grow in our relationship with God, our family, and our community. We believe it's no accident you're listening today, and we pray you'll hear something to strengthen, encourage, and inspire you to fulfill your God-given destiny. Now let's get to the message, which is already in progress. So so we're going to be looking at love. Somebody say love. Somebody say love. You know, I always wish I had that Barry White kind of low, like, love, you know, but then it's creepy and, and, and all of that. But nevertheless, it's, it's, it's just one of those words like love, you know, what is love and what's love got to do it? You know, you can think of all kinds of weird songs and there's lots of, of poems, but you know what? When we really look at love, we're going to look at some things and we're going to help explain a little bit, really dissect or define what love is. Somebody say love. Okay, love. Now, I want you to do me a favor and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look there, and we're also going to be looking in Mark chapter 12, so you can kind of get both ready um, as we look through these. I want to remind you as you're turning through that what we're looking at is the word love, and there are different types of love that the Bible talks about. And today we're not going to get into the particulars of the different types of love, but we are going to talk heavily on what the word would call agape love, a God kind of love. And we'll see that it's that love that encompasses all the others. It's kind of the umbrella behind that all would fall under first. And uh, we're going to look at that on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, we'll get more specific about the different types of love and and what they mean and how they apply uh, in scriptural. And hopefully we'll figure out the the holy Bible version of these words rather than what the world says. Because the world says there's a lot of different meanings of the word love. I don't know if you, you can think about love, but you know, just in the matter of one day, how many times do you say the word love in all kinds of different kinds of contexts, right? I love my wife. I love potato chips. It's not the same kind of love, but right? Oh, I love the sun. Oh, I love the cold. Oh, I love... Quick trip. I don't know. Whatever it is. We say love a lot, but what do we know about love? What does it mean? And we're going to look at that today. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 first. This is what is often referred to as the love chapter. Okay? Sorry, I had to try it one more time. The love chapter. And, 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 and honestly, the love chapter, this chapter, is is absolutely about love, but there are so many. In fact... I think we could all agree that from the beginning of time to the end of time, it's all about love. Because Jesus, or because God created us because he wanted relationship with us. He loved, he loved the creation and he wanted to have it relationship with us. And of course, the end of the story is we get to spend eternal love, eternal life with our Father one day. So beginning to end, it's all about love. Say it's all about love. All right, so I wanted to, to kind of get this idea as we look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll have to take my glasses off because I can't see. All right, that's great. All right, I'm going to start um, in chapter 12, um, verse 31, because it, it, it should go together. So if you're there, say amen. amen. Don't worry, it's on your handout and also on the screen, uh, but not this first scripture. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, it says, But eagerly desire greater gifts. So I'm going to stop there for just a minute. 
and let you know that Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And he is, he is reminding them of all of the things that we should be doing as believers. He's reminding them. He's also answering questions that they had because um, what had happened was, unfortunately, you know, sometimes they, had, they were new believers. They were coming to Christ. The church is going great, except for as, as life goes on, some of the old things, old habits and hang-ups try to creep in. And this is what Paul is addressing a little bit. And he's really addressing pride and he's addressing all these things. But he, he talks about these power gifts and we know about the gifts of the Spirit. And he goes through the spiritual giftings and those are gifts that are supposed to remind you that those gifts are manifestation gifts of God. They are to... to they're power gifts, as Scripture would say, and they are to make changes and moves and things, and they're powerful. And in fact, Paul goes on to say, I want you to eagerly, I, I, eager, to eagerly desire these greater gifts, uh, but remind you, the gifts shouldn't be the thing that draws attention. It should draw our attention to the Father. And when we exercise in those gifts, those gifts should be promoting the Father, not the person. Amen? Does that make sense? And so we can see that we're reminding of the source but then, but then Paul goes on to say, he goes, man, I want you to have these things. And he goes, and now I want to show you a most excellent way. In other words, this is good. These are desire these gifts, but I'm going to show you how to make them so that they're actually manifest the way God wants them to manifest in the heart in which he wants them to manifest. He goes on to say in verse 13, verse one, or chapter 13, verse 1, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men... And of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. I don't know if you can picture the, the sounding gong, bang, you're like, ah. Or, you know, or, uh, you know, I was going to reach over and I want to mess with these guys' equipment, but if you hit the out of, you know, if you hit a guitar and it's out of tune, it's like, you know, and your hair stands up, you're like, ah. And this is what he's saying. He says it's just it's uncomfortable. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound harmony in harmony. It says if I can speak in tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, it's like I'm a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. Verse two: If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but not have but but have not love, I am nothing. Now you can see how he's really building this love thing up. Because there's some powerful gifts he just talked about. And he's not saying not do these gifts or not activate these gifts because he first starts off with eagerly desire these gifts. Can somebody say amen? amen. You tracking with me? But he says in order for these gifts to work the way they should work, we need to add this love. He's, in verse 3 he goes, if I, possess, if I give all my possessions to the poor... And surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. All the traditions, all the religious works, all of the things, and even the things that God said to give. Even Jesus said to give and do and give to the needy and do all of these things. But even if you do, if we don't do with love, we've gained nothing. Somebody say nothing. And verse 4 this is the one we all love, we all recognize. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Somebody say, love never fails. God's promises are right here. The cool thing about this is this is really describing God. This is the character of God. The Bible says, in 1 John, it says that God is love. And he describes himself here in, in a very bold, and very, uh, I think very plainly can we see the heart of God here. Now I'm going to just jump down verse 13. It's not on the screen But he says this, Paul says something very bold. He says that faith and hope are one of the two or two of the most powerful concepts to possess. But he says, but the greatest of all, he wrote, is love. Nothing motivates like love. Love is one of those powerful motivators. I've I've told this uh, before and I'll remind you when back in the day when I was cool and handsome and I was dating my now wife, then girlfriend, tell you what, I was motivated to impress her. I was motivated because I was awestruck by her. I remember a time when we were on a, a we had gone on a date and uh, great time, you know, dinner and all this. And I remember, you know, it was Phoenix, Arizona. It was in the middle of the winter, but middle of the winter is like 70 degrees it's beautiful <sighs> anyway it's uh, anyway uh and uh <laughs> focus and and we're going down the road and you know i and i i've got my cool car that was like you know falling apart but i thought it was awesome and i'm driving down the windows down you know the music's going the mood was right we found this cool place uh close to the airport where you could you could watch you could park under there and we could you could watch the planes come in and it was so cool and I was like man this is all right I'm romantic and all of this stuff and I was feeling cool and anyway so we were having all this time uh, and 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 suddenly you know Michelle's like wow this is great this is awesome she goes you know if if you could figure out a way get get the top off of this car you can get that top down that would really be cool because you know the the moon and the stars by then it's Nice evening, and I was like, all right, all right. So I was, uh, so I'm going to jump to later, because I'm going to, um, I get home after this awesome date, and I call my cousin, and I'm like, I'm in love. I'm in love. You know, I was like, I don't care who knows about it, you know, you just, you know, you get sappy, you know. No, we're men. We don't get sad. Anyway, and I'm like, you know, I, and he's like, really? Okay. He's like, how do you know that you're in love? Because, uh, you know, there were a couple months ago you were with someone else. You like them. And, you know, how, how do you know that you're in love? And I said, man, she said get that top down. And she said this. She said, if you do, if you can get that top down, he, I'll, give you, I'll let you give me a kiss on the cheek. I said, man, I got that top down in like five minutes straight. He was kind of quiet for a minute. He's like, I'm like, are you there? And it wasn't like cell phones where you lose surface. He was just like, he was, it was way before then. He's, uh, he's like, um, he goes, why did it take you five minutes? He goes, my uncle has a convertible and, you can get, and, and, and yeah, he can get that thing down in like 30 seconds. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Your uncle has a convertible. I don't. <laughs> 
getting out the saws off. No. That is not a true story, by the way. Love is motivating, though. It can motivate us to do some really crazy things. And though that isn't a true story, there's a lot of crazy things I did do to impress my now wife. And apparently it worked because she married me. Praise God. Love is motivating and it has a lot of power behind it. And I want to talk about love because the problem is that often love, though, though we are, know it's motivating, we're often confused about what it really is. I was one of the worst at the beginning of Michelle and I's relationship and I, I was the guy that said, I love you first. And what showed me that she was the right girl for me is she looked at me and laughed. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like it at the time, don't get me wrong. She laughed, and then she, I'm like, what are you laughing about? She said, do you even know what that means? And in teenager guy fashion, I slammed the door and squealed, squealed my tires and went home. Because I was really cool. But it made me think, what is love? Because we have been given all kinds of worldly definitions of what love is. Whether it's opinion, whether it's TV, whether it's radio. Back then it was, it was tape cassettes. However, however it comes, but it doesn't always make sense. One of the things that we often think is that love is an emotion. And I want to look at that just a little bit as we look at this question, how do we define love? Number one, if you have your hand out, should be the only blanks you have to fill out. I just said this, love isn't a fuzzy feeling, but rather a focused action. I can hear someone say, and I've heard this so many times, and I'm sure you have too, whether it was someone talking to you or you heard it on the TV or movies, love's a feeling. Love, I, I'm just falling for this person. It's not a feeling that we fall for. God is not asking us to use. Now, emotions are awesome. They're great. Somebody say, I like emotions. We like emotions because it helps us to be human. Uh, my, my stepdad, uh, I, he is a sci-fi movie person. And he, uh, have you heard of the movie or the show's Star Trek? Okay. We have any trackies here? All right. I, well, I'm not really a big you know, lover of that. I do like Star Wars and others, but the Star Trek thing was a little, whatever, it wasn't, whatever. But I picked up a few things because I watched a few things because he was watching it. And when did I figure out, there's a character by the name of, I think it's Mr. Spock or Dr. Spock, is that right? Live long and prosper, that's right. And the thing about Spock was that he was super intelligent. Came from the, he came from the, I don't know, planet Vulcan. He was a Vulcan, whatever that is. And, and he had intellect beyond intellect. was super, super smart. The problem is he had no emotion. Now, this is about the time 
wives, don't elbow your husband and say, yeah, it sounds like a man. But I thought about that character. And I thought about living a life without emotion. How boring that would be. I mean, think about the things that we enjoy about emotion. One of the things, that I, I, again, I said, you know, marrying my wife. I can't imagine living a life where I had no emotion for that moment. Now, I'll just tell myself, we were very young and maybe not real smart, but I, we, we had love. <laughs> and one of the things you can see, we have a videotape of our wedding and in our wedding, my face is white as a ghost. I'm serious and somber. And I'm like, I'm trying to breathe. And I'm about ready to hyperventilate. As I'm waiting, and as she comes, and she's beautiful, of course, she comes down the aisle and all of that. And I just remember that when you see her, and then this, and I'm like, I'm excited, I'm scared, I'm nervous. All of these, all of these emotions... It's funny because my cousin was my best man. The same cousin that I talked about called, which wasn't a true story, but he is a true person. He was my best man. And, and, and the, as in best man fashion, it was all the way up to right before we're getting ready to walk up. He says, you know, he goes, you know, are you sure you want to do this? He said, because I kind of think you guys fight a lot. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you hear is, dun, 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 dun. He's like, I can get you out right now. I'm like, what? So this is the mind space that I go as I'm walking down the hall to marry my wife. I say all that because when it was all said and done and I got to kiss the bride, it all was like, it's done now. She's locked in. She is stuck with me now. And so, in that feeling of elation, like, how about parents? That time when your first child was born. Wow. I can't imagine living life without that. And then to have another and thinking, there's no way I can love one like the other, and yet feel that same joy when that bundle of joy comes. And then to have a third, it's like, whoa, I'm overly blessed. The, The feeling and emotions... Those are okay to have. God, in fact, gives us emotions. They're not, they're not something from the enemy. They can be used of the enemy, but they are a gift from God. They're really kind of like a barometer or, or, or tell a temperature of what's going on in our life. Now, they should not, say should not, our feelings and our emotions should not determine what we are or what we do but they should only read the atmosphere to know what we need to do differently. Does that make sense? I, I preached a message a few years ago. I'm going to pull it back at, out sometime. It was about that we are not, we're not uh, um, thermostat. Excuse me, we're not thermometers. We're thermostats. In other words, we're not just to take a temperature as a believer. We're to set the atmosphere, bring the the power and the, and the promise of God. But emotions are kind of that barometer. They kind of help read us, help show us. The problem is if we use that to base our circumstance. If we make decisions solely based on the emotion, 
this is when we find ourselves in a lots of trouble. But emotion is not bad. Say emotion is not bad. It's a gift. It's an awesome promise from God. Even anger is a gift. Because sometimes we need to have a holy anger to rise up and to, to, to move and to do what God has called us to do. To see an injustice when the enemy has stolen something or is lying to somebody and say, no, I'm angry on behalf of this thing. I want their destiny. And you begin to preach, you begin to pray, you begin to praise, whatever you need to do. And that is often by anger. So anger is not even a problem. It's, it is absolutely what we do with it. And scripture says... Anger, but don't sin. Right? And so we can see that emotion is good, and it's okay, but it can be powerful, and it can be remiss, and it's always all over the place. There's a story of a little boy who was playing in the Little League. He was talking, and the coach was talking to his players, and he goes to this particular young man, and he says, he asks the boy, do you know what cooperation is? Do you know what team means? Yes, sir. Yes. The little boy nodded. He said, good. He, the coach says, do you understand what really matters when we win? That we met when we win as a team and we lose as a team. Yes, coach. He says, you know, when, when, when you're at bat and the pitch is given and, you, and it's called a strike and you are called out first, you don't argue. You don't cuss out the umpire, right? We don't, we don't do that. Do you understand all that? He says, yes, I understand that. He says, good, can you now go explain that to your parents? Because they're out of hand. (laughs) Emotions are powerful, but they can lead wrong. God wired us to be emotional beings, but to use that as a barometer, not as the foundation. That God gives us this opportunity to help us, to lead us. And understand that emotion, if we use love, if we define love by the way we feel, we will miss the mark. We will be severely disappointed. We will leave an opportunity for the enemy to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. Because the enemy is roaming around. We're finding a window, open, opportunity that he can speak. And if we think love is what the world says or what our feelings say, if that's what love means and if we have that as a foundation, we will find ourselves in dire places and difficult challenges. And then we'll begin to blame the one, the father of love because we have no understanding of what love is. Let's look at this today. I want us to look at Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. We're going to start there. Everybody still with me today? Everybody say love. love. Mark chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of law came and heard them debating and noticed that Jesus had given them a good answer. And he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this, Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God, the, the Lord is one. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I think it's important to understand that this is God is saying, Jesus is revealing that love is a command. And if love is a command, it can't be a feeling because we can't command feelings. I can't tell you... and, and, and I've tried. I don't know how many of you have said this to your kids. Oh, just go off and be happy. Oh, just, you know, just forget about it and be happy. Okay. It, it's not a command. It, it, love is a command. It can't be, if it's an emotion, it can't be commanded because we know emotions are all over the place, right? Am I the only one that admits that we cry at movies sometimes, laugh at movies sometimes, get mad at movies sometimes, feel like I can, you know, take over the world kind of mood kind of thing sometimes. Emotions are all over the place. I get to the end of the movie and I'm so spent with emotions, I don't know what weighs up. But God is saying that He's not saying, I want you to, I'm trying to tell you to do this and this. He's not trying to make you feel a certain way. He's saying that love is an action. It's his name. It has, it has power behind it. And because it does, he's commanding us to do it. I'm so thankful that God doesn't command us to feel a certain way, but just to do a certain thing. Amen? Three amens. Good. Okay. We go back to the original text in verse uh, chapter 13, starting verse 4. Look at this. God says that love is patient. Patient is the opposite of emotion. Love is kind. How do you feel today? I feel kind, thank you. No one says that. Later on in verse 5, Paul says that love is not easily angered. Love has a long fuse. So living in anger is not love. Because love is not easily angered. So if love is more about what we do, it's less about what we feel. This is totally different from most of what the worldly Thoughts and processes are. It's completely different. So we have to allow our minds to be renewed, not conformed to the pattern of the world, but be renewed to the truth of who God is. God chose to love you. And mind you, He may not have had a good feeling when we sin. But He chose to love us anyway. In fact, he chose to love us so much that he sent Jesus. What a beautiful example, what a perfect example of someone that was willing to love love out in action, not by emotion. 
I'm so thankful that God is bigger and brighter and smarter and way holier than I am because I would be like some of y'all, no way. Just kidding. Right? Think about the things that we've done. Like, Oh man, I would have given up on myself a long time ago. I would have bent myself over and spanked myself. Alright, I was the only mischievous child. Come on now. Thank goodness that God, He not only tells us and commands us to love, but He mirrors it so beautifully. He shows it. He lives it so wonderfully. In fact, not only does He show it just by sitting Christ, but every day when it says that His grace and His mercy are new every morning, it's His love expressed towards us all of the time. And God made us in His image. And he made us in a way that we could do what he called us to do because he made us like him. Now be careful. I'm not calling us gods. Don't get crazy weird on me. But understand that he, and he, when he built us, when he created us, he wanted us to, to act and do what he called them to, us to do. In other words, he wanted the apple to not far, fall far from the tree. He, he, he desired that we would live this out. Can I say this again? We can't fall in and out of love. Now, for some of you right now, I want to stop for just a minute because some of you are saying, oh, he's talking about my marriage or he's talking about this loving relationship kind of thing. No. If you, if you are breathing, raise your hand. Because if you're breathing, you have relationships. And I know that, fa- that God is the father of all relationships. He created relationships. So if you are breathing, you have a relationship of some fashion or form. Different levels, I understand, but we all have them. And God has modeled for us and given us tools and given us these awesome things that He wants every one of our relationships to flourish. Every one of them. And so don't close your mind and say, oh, I'm not married or, uh, you know, or, or I'm single or uh, I wish I wasn't married. All of those kinds of things. Throw those out because, listen, if, you, if you're a parent, if you're a child, if you're a worker, if you breathe, you have relationship. And if you can't think of any other relationships that can get better, think about your relationship with the Father. He's perfect. He's done everything. But I don't feel like I've quite reached the level that He's called me to yet. But I'm getting there. And so we all want to grow in our relationships, right? Does anybody want a better relationship? And so as we're looking at this, I want you to remind yourself that a relationship is not a feeling. We don't have to like our neighbor. It says we have to love our neighbor. We don't have to feel warm fuzzies about, you know, I was, I was thinking back, this is kind of long ago, Bin Laden or Saddam Hussein. or You don't have to have warm fuzzies about these enemies of our nation. But he does say, God does say to love those who, what? Persecute. Or hate. And so this is showing, revealing there's a grander, bigger picture about what love is. It's not just about a spouse. I do want to say this. 
uh, statistically, if, if whether in the room or whoever's watching, statistically, there is at least one relationship that is thinking, I've, I'm falling out of love. And it's not just spouses. <laughs> Can I, I'll just be the bad dad. And I'll, I'll admit there were times when I was like, mm, kids. Where I was falling, if you were going to call falling out of love, I didn't feel like I loved them. I know I'm a bad dad. But let's be honest, there are times when we don't have those emotions, but God doesn't say then that he, he doesn't quantify those with you, that's the way you love him. He just says love your neighbor as yourself. Can somebody say amen today? Do you get the picture of God is and his love is so his love that's that's over us and, and, and through us, he wants to move, he wants it to move through us. Love's not a feeling, it is an action. It's a decision. And if you're telling me I've fallen out of love, you made a decision not to love, not the, not the feeling thing. We, we really don't have, now I'm going to be mean, we don't really have that excuse because God commanded, He doesn't command you to something you can't do. So if I'm not doing what He's called me to do, it's because I've made a choice not to do it. Somebody say amen so I don't feel like I'm alone here. Are you, you hear the heart of what He's saying? Doesn't mean it's always going to feel good. In fact, to be honest with you, it might not feel good a lot of the times, but it doesn't change what God asks. Thanks to God that He didn't change, even though He didn't feel like He might have liked us and loved us in the moment. It wasn't contingent on our do's and our don'ts. It was contingent on His heart. For God so loved the world, period. He didn't love what they were doing. He didn't love what I was doing, but he loved them so much. As we go forth in love, and I want to remind you, love is that we just go and just everything's okay kind of a thing. I'm not saying that. There's a difference. But we need to understand that we need to be loved, that love is a feeling. Love is not, love is not a feeling, it's a purposed action. There's action. We can do it. Say, I can do it. We can do it because God has equipped us to do it. He's built us pretty amazing. We've got this amazing brain that hardly anyone can figure out. As soon as you think you know, they, as soon as the scientists think they understand it, there's something new that comes about. This body that, is, that God has created, every time they think they got something out, they find something new. This universe in which we live, every time they think there's another something they find out about the, this, this world that we live in, this universe we live in. God is amazing, and he's, and, and he's saying all of this, he's saying, listen, I want you to make sure you don't live in the emotional realm. Not only love is an action, but it's worth fighting for. How many are ready to, to fight for the command of love in your life? Amen? Because if, if, if we have to understand that that's what God did for us. He fought for love for us. Jesus fought for love for us when he laid down his life. What a blessing, what a promise, and what a, an example. 
And now God deposits the Holy Spirit, the very power, presence of God, the, the unction and the things that God is, He deposits in us so that we can be doers of His Word. And He says to love. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Word of Life Family Church. If you're ever in the area, please join us for one of our Sunday services at 10 a.m. or for Bible study on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. For more information, check out our website at wordoflifefamilychurch.org or call us at 715-339-2207. Thanks for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you. Yeah.